Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal is not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. You know, attention to detail is critical when you own your own business, so use LegalZoom.com for the legal details. Now, their network of independent attorneys licensed in 48 states, well, they know local laws and can provide answers to your legal questions. LegalZoom.com is not a law firm, so you won't pay by the hour. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. Two men dead. Campus shooting. Campus is still on lockdown. UCLA. Our thoughts and prayers go out to our friends in Los Angeles. And I don't know if you have your kids there. It's a scary thing to hear there's a shooting on a campus. And uh, let's go in to have a conference for now, press conference. Let's just dip into this. At about 10 this morning, a homicide and a suicide occurred in the engineering facility, engineering uh, uh, part of the UCLA campus on the south side. It appears it is entirely contained. We believe there are no suspects outstanding and no, no continuing threat to UCLA's campus. We're in the process of releasing students from lockdown, but we need to do so in an orderly fashion and in a way that allows us to make sure there are no other participants. All right, that kind of answers all the questions right there. It sounds like a murder-suicide, sad, tragic, but not an ongoing threat. Uh, If you happen to have a child that's in UCLA, you can breathe a little bit easier. But, you know, it's always sad to hear these types of things. we got a lot coming up in the course of the program today. I am stunned at the number of people commenting on the shooting of the gorilla. I am stunned at the numbers of people that want the parents arrested. I am stunned that the people are blaming the Cincinnati Zoo and, you know, this gorilla had been there for 17 years. It's it's uh, uh, the the reaction is visceral for people on a very deeply emotional level. You know, to me, it's it's to me, it's just basically a tragedy. 
I don't know what to think. I mean, apparently this kid had to slip through a number of different barricades and a three-foot fence to actually make this happen. And some people say, well, how does a parent take their eye off the child for that long? And I could see that happening. You know, other people are videotaping. I'm like, what are you doing with your stupid videotape? Put your camera down and go save the kid. It's nuts. So you got a 450-pound, it's called a silverback, I guess, gorilla is the name of this thing at the Cincinnati Zoo. And this all happened on Saturday. And look, I understand you see an animal shot. You're heartbroken at that. That makes a lot of sense to me. We love animals. I mean, why do we like to? I'm fascinated by, I think this shows that God has the, the most wicked sense of humor. That he can create all these different variations of animals and then the depth of universes within universes within universes. I mean, it's a majesty that I don't think the human mind could ever comprehend. And in your quieter moments, when you when you touch and hear nature, it's a pretty inspiring thing. And you realize, all right, there's something smarter and greater than me out there, because we all like to think as little egomaniacs that we're the smartest thing there is. And we're not. I've actually found this with a lot of atheists. And if you're an atheist, you're probably going to get pissed off too bad. Is that atheists think that there can't possibly be anybody smarter than them. And to be an atheist, you actually have to believe that something can come from nothing. The idea you say, all right, well, the Big Bang Theory, all these and all of this energy colliding and it created all these universes within universes within universes. I mean, we're exploring depths of space we never thought we'd ever explore. And my question always to them is, okay, well, where did the original energy come from? And then they can't answer it. It's an impossible question to answer. Except that there is something greater than us that created us. So for me, it's a pretty simple issue. And by the way, as long as I'm on my moral high horse here for a second, everyone getting all wigged out and heartbroken over the gorilla, I wonder if those same people have looked at pictures of aborted fetuses. I'm not trying to be disgusting here, but you look at that, you want to have a heart broken when you see perfectly formed arms, fingers, hands, heads, eyes, mouth, nose, just ripped out and torn apart. Have you ever looked at those pictures? I have. As you know, for those of you that refuse to acknowledge radical Islam, Hillary, Obama, have you looked at the beheading videos? No, it's my job. I looked at them. I look at them all the time. And it reminds me that there is pure, unadulterated evil that we better confront. I will tell you now that I have a belief system. You can see this happening all over, all over Europe. The Islamization of Europe is is almost in full swing. You got Sharia courts, you've got no-go zones, you've got instances where now in Sweden they're fighting for women to have women-only pools. Why? Because men can't see women in bikinis, apparently. Well, that's, I can't think of anything more stupid in my life is to take away the bikinis. That's just dumb. That's just, well, men can't look at the women in there as if men aren't attracted to women. We just have to deny pure human science. It's so stupid. Anyway, back to the gorilla. I understand you're heartbroken. Ombre is the, uh, Arambi is the name of the, the gorilla. You know, it seems that he wasn't trying to hurt the boy. As a matter of fact, I, I was looking at some comments. I know this guy from years ago when I was a local radio host down in Atlanta, Terry Maples, his name. He's an expert in animal psychology responses to captivity, and he's the former head of Zoo Atlanta. I remember doing a big event with him and Newt Gingrich back in the early 1990s, 
He said he didn't think there was any real aggression towards the child. He said it's difficult to say whether this was an aggressive display or playful interaction. You just don't know. But you can't take the risk because that 450-pound gorilla can crush that kid in seconds. Boom. Done. Dead. So now you got to choose between the gorilla and the kid. That's not an issue for me. Not even for a second. The zoo did the right thing. And zoo officials, they tried to lure the gorilla away from the boy. They had succeeded in in, in doing that with a female gorilla, but uh, Harambe didn't respond that way, wouldn't budge. The gorilla was getting increasingly agitated. The crowd was screaming. Witnesses said the gorilla became more aggressive, seemingly determined not to set that child free. Now, when the gorilla first saw the child, he knocked the boy against the wall, witnesses said. They didn't have an entire videotape. There is no entire videotape. Anyway, they recorded part of a scene on a phone, and anyway, they, the gorilla didn't seem to intent on harming the boy at first. He dragged the, the kid down further into the moat, almost looked like he was helping him, pulling his pants up, stood, stood him up. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts screaming again, and he, you know, again, the, the gorilla drags just like it probably would a baby gorilla. Look, I don't know a whole lot about gorillas. If you're looking for a gorilla expert, I'm not it. I just know that the child's life is in jeopardy with with a wild animal. Just a fact. You know, everyone said, well, why didn't you tranquilize the gorilla? Well, that might take 10 minutes. And in the meantime, it might agitate or further agitate or inflame the gorilla. Because the gorilla doesn't know what's happening to it. It's not a hard call. The decision was to save the child's life. The boy was in mortal danger. A child's life is more valuable than the life of a gorilla. Zoo officials did the right thing. Not a happy event. A necessary action by people running a zoo to save this child's life and ensure the safety of life. You know, the most disturbing part, there are people out there that are more emotional about killing the gorilla than they might have been about the child being killed. Well, the child fell in. It's the child's fault. You can't blame a three-year-old child for falling into a moat. That's If anyone's responsible for that part, it's the parents. And I doubt the parents let it happen on purpose. My guess is the parents got busy doing whatever they were doing. It was the mom that was there. And she put a big post on Facebook. And we'll talk about it later today. But the whole thing to me is a tragedy. Um, You know, I got to tell you something. Um. I think back to what happened yesterday with this Donald Trump press conference, and it's really amazing to me. I think this is a moment where between the New York Times, between Katie Couric, Telemundo, we actually showed video last night of the Telemundo camera guy orchestrating a shot for their newscast. And they're caught red-handed that maybe now the tipping point has been met. And I know that your so-called journalists, they're angry about this. You know, but Trump, I am telling you, God bless the guy. Unlike past Republican presidential candidates, he's a one-man battering ram against the establishment. I mean, he, he is literally instinctively understanding the moment we now face. These statistics that I give you on a regular basis are not statistics for the sake of me hearing myself talk. These are st- statistics about real people, real lives, real suffering that Americans are needlessly going through because of of bad politicians, bad policies 
that are hurting the American people. You're not better off than you were eight years ago, which should be the question that is paramount in people's minds this election season. I got a, I got a note from a guy today that hadn't written me in a while, still had my, an, an old email address I use. Hey, Sean, don't you think it's a bit odd you're a registered conservative, not a Republican in New York because of principles over party, yet you're backing Trump because of party? And I wrote the guy back. I said, I'm not backing him because of party. I'm backing Trump based on the promises he has repeatedly made on the campaign trail and his agenda to help save the country. I like his li- I wrote back. I like his list of judges for the Supreme Court. I like the idea that he sees the need to rebuild our military. I like that Trump, unlike Hillary and Obama, will identify radical Islamists and extremists as an enemy that needs to be defeated while insisting that other countries stamp, step up and do a lot of the fighting. I like the fact that he's standing up for veterans. Somebody's pro- finally promising to fix a broken VA as veterans are dying waiting for care that we had promised them as a country. I'm glad that he's promising to build a wall and secure the border so we have less competition for Americans out of work to get jobs and lowering wages in the process. I like the idea that he's promising to repeal Obamacare and replace with health savings accounts. I like the fact that he's promised in these interviews with me many times to make America energy independent, expand coal, expand drilling, expand nuclear, expand fracking, Use new technology. I like his promise to end Common Core and send education back to the states. I like the idea of free and fair trade and negotiating better trade deals. That does not mean protectionism. By definition, I think it's Trump negotiating is my gut. I like his pledge to get spending under control and get us moving towards a balanced budget. I like it. And I like the fact that he's not taking any crap from anybody In this phony media, I don't care if it's Telemundo or Katie Couric or or the New York Times or any of the other networks that don't have the courage to vet Hillary Clinton and the same people that didn't have the courage to vet Obama. And during this 40 minute press conference yesterday in which he absolutely excoriated and rightly vilified the media for. You know, going along with this phony Hillary Clinton plants in front of Trump Tower in this ridiculous—I asked them last night, what did they think they're going to, that Trump was going to steal the $6 million? Do you really believe that? No, he was actually vetting the charities to make sure that he wasn't going to get criticized for giving money to a charity that was less than credible. So he vetted the organizations. And for 40—this is how the New York Times said, for 40 minutes— Mr. Trump, the presumptive Republican presidential nominee, assailed those reporting on his candidacy with a level of venom rarely seen at all, let alone in public, from the standard bearer of a major political party. Then he warned that a Trump White House would feature the same. He goes, is this what we can expect? One of the I've watched you. You're a sleazy, too. It was great. It was great. And it was well-deserved. I hope the tipping point, we were kind of ahead of the curve eight years ago. I declared on this program repeatedly, journalism is dead. It doesn't exist. Now the story the press was covering, okay, it's legitimate. He raised it, but not the way they were covering it. The way they were covering it was like there was major malfeasance, misappropriation of funds. 
Well, he did the vetting, didn't charge for it, and he's right about charities. Oftentimes, administrative costs are 90 cents on every dollar they raised. Largest donation, a million-dollar check dated May 24th, came from Donald Trump's personal account, and he donated himself to his to the to this own campaign. But I'll tell you, it's his aggression is getting more people to cheer, more people to wake up, more people to understand how phony and corrupt the press is, and it's sort of culminating here in this massive crescendo yesterday. The New York Times phony story about women, Katie Couric. Can you imagine inserting nine dead air seconds to to make it seem like somebody didn't have an answer when they had an immediate answer? It's unbelievable. Now, maybe the the net result of this would be the media realizes they are biased. (laughs) Don't hold your breath. Three quarters of, of the American people think reporters are biased and they are. And that was what Trump was, what he tapped into solidly yesterday. You know, he's, all right, 70% of Americans distrust the, the press. He pointed out the distrust. He legitimized the distrust. And he said he's not going to take their crap anymore. And I'm going to tell you something. This smart thing for him to do. It used to be, oh, you can't fight people that have barrels and barrels of ink. Well, yeah, you actually can. You can fight them. You can fight them on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on talk radio, on Fox, and you can get your, your message out a million other ways. By the way, Hillary better be ready. I was reading a story today. Democrats are freaking out. She's running a conventional campaign in an unconventional year, and that's not going to work this year. I don't think. We'll see. You know, attention to detail is critical when you own your own business. That's why you need to use LegalZoom.com. Now, they take care of all the legal details so you can focus on growing your business. Now, you already know that LegalZoom is a great way to start your business, and they've helped over 1 million people get up and started the right way. But there's more to running your business than getting started. Supplier and customer contracts come with the territory. And if you need to hire help, Well, every state has its own employment laws. So don't spend your valuable time researching laws and reading small print. Let the experts at LegalZoom.com handle this. Now, they have a network of independent attorneys licensed in 48 states who know your local laws and regulations. They'll provide the best legal answers for your day-to-day questions. And the best part is you don't pay by the hour since LegalZoom is not a law firm. Instead, you pay a low monthly fee. You know exactly what you're getting up front. Go to LegalZoom.com today and spend your time growing your business instead of worrying about the legal details. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. But you got to love this. Bernie Sanders, the self-proclaimed champion of socialism, was asked over the weekend to explain the harrowing economic collapse of Venezuela. Not to mention several other socialists, South uh, American countries. And anyway, the free stuff for everybody presidential candidate is kind of caught flat-footed. He didn't have an answer. He didn't want to talk about it. You know, so in other words, we have irrefutable evidence that the economic system, that so many young people want free college, free, 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 that Bernie Sanders raves about in reality is a staggering failure, and he has no response. The question came from Univision. 
I'm sure you know about this topic. Various leftist governments, especially populists, are in serious trouble in Latin America. The socialist model in Venezuela uh, has the country near collapse. Argentina, Brazil. How do you explain the failure? I'm sure you're interested in that. His response was, I'm very interested, but right now I'm running for president of the United States. Well, you're running on that platform, you dope. Anyway, but Univision goes, so you don't have an opinion about the crisis in Venezuela? Of course I have an opinion, but as I said, I'm focused on my campaign. Wow, that's not an answer. A lot of pundits have been claiming lately that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have a problem in the honesty department. Turns out that's not the way voters are seeing it. Rasmussen, latest poll, Donald Trump, more honest than Hillary by more than a two-to-one margin. Whoops. I think people have figured out Hillary's a liar. The State Department had to admit today that a 2013 press conference that was on video was purposefully edited and altered to remove the portion of the discussion about the Iranian nuclear talks after a State Department official asked that it be edited out. John Kirby's announcement contradicts the position that was held by the department for the last three weeks, during which officials said the video was missing because of a glitch. Well, they got caught. Kirby said officials didn't know who asked for the video to be edited. Of course, they don't know. That'll be another 10-year congressional investigation to get to the truth of that. Here's more evidence, by the way, that socialism doesn't work. The A couple of weeks ago... Betsy McCoy, she's been so adamant and so on top of. I mean, for years when we were debating Obamacare, she'd carry the whole bill into the studio, into the TV studio, underlined, highlighted. She read it. She's the only one that I know that read it and read it and read it and read it and knows it. Anyway, she reported on two studies that showed that since the implementation of Obamacare. Now, remember what you were promised. You keep your doctor, you keep your plan. Average family saves $2,500 per family per year. Well, she found since its implementation, 17,000 seniors have died prematurely just in California due to ration care. Remember, Sarah Palin was mocked for using the term death panels. Anyway, so you get a headline in the New York Times, quote, the first rise in U.S. death rate in years surprises the experts. Well, guess what? This year. You know, this totally unexpected rise in in the death rate. You don't want to know when it started in 2015. You know what the year 2015 represented? The very first year Obamacare was fully implemented. Now, of course, the Times, they're not going to make that connection. They're mystified over what could possibly be causing the dramatic turnaround in the death rate. Now, the death rate in the United States rose last year for the first time in a decade According to federal data, a rare increase driven in part by more people dying from drug overdoses, suicides and Alzheimer's. The death rate from heart disease long in decline edged up slightly. Now, death rates measured as the number of deaths per 100,000 people have been declining for years because of the improvements in in health and disease management, medical technology. Recent research has documented a sharp rise in death rates among certain groups, in particular, Less educated whites who have been the hardest hit by the prescription drug epidemic increases in the entire population are relatively rare. Federal researchers cautioned that it was too early to tell whether the rising mortality uh, rate had pushed up the overall national death rate. But they said the rise was real. And while it was premature to ring an alarm now, if it continues, it could be a signal of distress in the health of the nation. No. 
No connection to Obamacare. Just a mere coincidence. That's all these things are. Now, you know how the media has gone after Trump on women? Debunked. Katie Couric, her nine-second dead air bit. Telemundo. No, no, no. Could you guys, I want you guys to sit. Yeah, hold the Mexican flag out this way. And hang on, I'm going to shoot it for the newscast. They're caught. So now the latest thing is you got this liberal judge in New York and this ambitious, what, attorney general in New York that's trying to make a name for himself going after this Trump University. Now, we've had Michael Cohn on about this very issue. Trump's attorney. And some of the people involved in the lawsuit, guess what? They wrote rave reviews about Trump University. And the vast majority of people, they didn't pay the the premium rate to get the full-on course. They paid, you know, for a particular area of interest like real estate or whatever it happened to be. Anyway, it came to light that the law firm appointed by Judge Gonzalo Curiel to represent a plaintiff in the Trump University class action has another connection to Hillary Clinton beyond the $2,700 campaign contribution from the firm chairman. Now, Law News didn't mention the firm's connection to the Trump University case. The information was apparently retrieved from a Washington Post database with the Clinton financial filings on file. It seems that Robbins Gellers paid the Clintons nearly a half a million dollars in less than a year for speeches. So one of the law firms picked by the judge in the Trump University case, the very judge Donald Trump accuses by name of anti-Trump bias, awarded this firm the case after Bill and Hillary had been paid $450,000 for two speeches. By the way, I give credit to Jeffrey Lord for breaking that story. That was huge. I'm like, wow, that's big. Um, oh, and Bill Crystal's candidate, who's this guy again? David French. <laughs> David French. I bet you there's not one person in this audience who knows who David French is. Now, we do because we're a bunch of nerds, and we actually, you know, well, I like to read Eliana Johnson. She used to work for me. She does a really good job. There are other people, Mark Stein. Well, I guess Stein is off NRO now, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, it's on Hannity.com as well. We've built up a big news site now that's really growing in popularity. If you haven't seen the all-new Hannity.com, you got to go. It's, we're putting stuff up there every minute of every day. Anyway, two Republicans interviewed by Bloomberg, which first reported the news that French was the guy that Bill Crystal picked. I don't mean to laugh, but it's funny. Anyway, he hasn't made his final decision. French declined to comment to Bloomberg. So Bill Crystal's, you know, great hope, uh, great white knight hope over here, won't even say he's ready to run. Knight in shining armor. Looks like it's back to the drawing board for the never-Trumpers. And never mind the fact that they can't even get on the ballot in Texas. Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. So, all right, let's get to our busy phones here today. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Frank is in North Carolina. What's up, Frank? How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you, you pretty much kind of hit the nail on the head with, with what you were saying about the media. I'm, I've been traveling this weekend, and it seems like every story I'm seeing about Trump is uh, is, is slanted, and it's, it's obnoxiously obvious. Um, Especially with the donations to the VA. I mean, how much has Hillary given a VA? I just it just bothers me. That's all I want to say. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you. 
All right, 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Anthony is in Johnson City, Tennessee. Anthony, how are you? Yeah, hi, Sean. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. What's going on? Well, the reason why I called is because I wanted to talk about something that I know is a little offbeat, but I wanted to talk about the Vince Foster uh, case for just a second and also some of the other things that the mainstream media is not going to tell you. And, you know, the thing that bothers me the most about the Vince Foster case is that all of the mainstream media makes it seem like this is a case that was 100% a suicide, that there's no facts supporting a cover-up of murder, when in reality, it's the exact opposite. You know, there was no bullet ever found at, Vince, uh, at the site where they found Vince Foster in Fort Marcy Park. Very little blood. Uh, some of the first EMTs that were on the scene said that they saw a second wound to Vince Foster's neck. And in fact, the person that Kenneth Starr hired... Uh, who was actually a liberal, his name was Miguel Rodriguez, he hired him as assistant special counsel to help him close the case and rule it a suicide, resigned. And I recently came across online um, Miguel Rodriguez's resignation letter, and he pretty much says in this resignation letter all the reasons why he resigned and that basically he brought up all these facts that he found that supported murder and supported a cover-up. And once he brought these uh, to Ken Starr, he was pretty much shunned, stonewalled at every turn, and he wasn't allowed to investigate any further, and so he quit the case. And also you've got, like, the FBI. They misstated all of the key witnesses' uh, statements, like Patrick Knowlton, who um, was harassed by the FBI and who was actually there at Fort Marcy Park at 4.30 on the day that Vince Foster died and saw another car there that was not Vince Foster's. Vince Foster drove a gray or silver uh, 88 car, and the car that he saw was a red car. And when he went to the An- interview, Anthony, the let me let me let me slow you down. Go ahead. It's been a long time since we talked about Vince Foster. Right. This, this issue, and I'm not using a pun here, is dead. This issue is not going anywhere. If people well, are, right. if people are interested in reading about it, who was it? Chris Ruddy years ago <clears throat> wrote a book, <clears throat> "The Strange Death of Vince Foster." I, I, it's right. been many, many years since I looked at it. If you want to look at it, if you have interest in it, it's not going to be a part of the campaign. I mean, we have we have barely enough capability of keeping people focused on the email scandal because they don't even understand that. You know, and this is the strange thing about this this whole election cycle. There's a whole generation of people out there. They don't even know who Juanita Broderick is or Kathleen Willey is or Paula Jones is. They don't know that Clinton was impeached. They don't know that he was disbarred. They don't know that he paid a, a, a huge amount of money in that case. And I know that people didn't like the way the Republicans handled it, but I got to tell you something. His actions and, and the lies and cover-ups, I, you almost have to be a, a, an expert on the Clintons to understand it all. Now, we're going to go through it. We'll remind people. We'll make sure you're informed by Election Day. We'll keep bringing up issue by issue as they come up, and, and some issues we'll, we'll bring up because we think you should know. But I'm telling you, the media is not going to do it, and that's kind of my focus today. Uh, Anth- uh, let's go to, I'm sorry, Chase um, Chance is in uh, Grand Rivers, Kentucky. Hey, Chance, how are you? Hi, Han. Uh, hey, Han- uh, Hannity, sorry. Yeah, what's up? Uh, uh, I want to talk about uh, how Trump has been harassed by the liberal media pretty much since day one when he uh, started his candidacy. You know, if it wasn't the uh, million-dollar small loan to disconnect him from his uh, public, then and now it's uh, that he's not he's not raising money for veterans. It's, it's just crazy to think that uh, the media, who 
we rely on, who we who we go to for our news, is so against one candidate and so for another. Um, it, it just blows my mind. Uh, well, they've I, got an agenda, but you know something? I think we might reach a tipping point here. I think there's enough out here that will prove to anybody that may have even any lingering doubt whatsoever that the media is institutionally biased, abusively so, and that they purposely misinform. It's the stories they cover, the stories they ignore. It's the way they cover them. It's the way they manipulate. Look at the women manipulated in the New York Times story. Look at the Katie Couric manipulating an answer, nine seconds of dead air added. Look at the Telemundo case of of people literally being choreographed by the photographer, by the cameraman for Telemundo News. It's it's pathetic. These are things we've known for years, but a lot of people, I guess, didn't believe. Look at the lack of coverage of Obama and his radicalism and his background and Ayers and Dorn and Wright and everything in, in between. Mel is in Naples, Florida, Fox News Radio in uh, Fort Myers. What's going on? Hi. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Sean. I just wanted to bring up a real quick point. Uh, Donald Trump raised how much money for the veterans? Almost six million. million right? Yeah, yeah. How much money did Hillary Clinton raise for the veterans? Actually, it was in the news today. Seventy thousand dollars the Clintons gave from the Clinton Foundation, which has raised billions. So they they gave seventy thousand dollars. And see, this is the problem that I have with the media, especially. And you're hitting the nail on the you're hitting the nail on top of the head. But what I can't stand about the media the most is how they pander. They say that conservatives don't want the black vote. But when conservatives go after the black folk, then they say, well, why, do they really, why are they really there? They say conservatives don't care about the veterans. Conservatives give money to the veterans. I wish that the conservative media would be more aggressive and hopefully follow Donald Trump's lead in confronting these bullies in the liberal media. I agree. I think there's a lesson to be learned here. Listen, I, I can't tell you how many times I get calls. They actually have stopped calling it ABC, NBC, and CBS because I always say no. And even the New York Times, I say no. Even the Washington Post, they called me today. I said no. I don't, why do I want to tell? Because then i got to deal with these idiots, and they have a predetermined story anyway. I have my own media outlet right here. I have it on Twitter. I have it on Facebook. I have it on TV. I don't need these people to get my message out, manipulate what I say or my point of view or whatever nuanced little, little criticism they may have. I don't care what they think. I just don't. We don't need them anymore. That's a good thing. I want to turn to the inspector general's report about your private email server, which you you said you set up for convenience in an editorial out today. USA Today called this, quote, a threat to national security, one that she repeatedly ignored despite multiple warnings. And they added that you are now, quote, going to have to convince voters that she can put the national security of the United States above her own short term self-interest. Do you see this as a challenge that you have to face to convince voters you'll put national security ahead of your own interests? Well, I uh, I think that uh, is uh, obvious. I always have. And the report, just to go back to the actual report, makes it clear that personal email use was the practice under other secretaries of state and that the rules that they are now referencing were not clarified until after I had left. But look, I've said many times it was still a mistake. And if I could go back, I would do it differently. Uh, and I understand people may have concerns about this, but I hope voters 
years, look at the full picture of everything I've done in my career and the full threat posed by a Donald Trump presidency. And if they do, I have faith in the American people that they will make the right choice here. All right. That was Hillary on with Jake Tapper on uh, CNN. So all the talk about, wow, they've got a libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson. Well, there's an exciting figure for you. I'm sure he's going to get a, a half a percent of the vote with uh, Bill Weld. And you got, oh, Bill Crystal might put forth David French. Oh, there's another big name for you that's probably going to take so many votes away from the Republicans. And of course, Trump is controversial. Well, people aren't paying a lot of attention to Hillary Clinton. We're still awaiting the FBI investigation and the report over Hillary's email scandal. In spite of the way she spins this, it's just not true. Now, after promising that her top aides would cooperate with the email gate investigation, you had Cheryl Mills, one of her you know top aides and the attorneys involved and also White House attorneys uh, stonewalling their way through an under oath deposition on Friday. We had the inspector general report where, yes, former secretaries of state, they cooperated. Hillary Clinton didn't cooperate. Lawyers for uh, Hillary Clinton aide Cheryl Mills, the State Department and uh, this Group Judicial Watch were tangling last week as Mills was testifying at a deposition in a lawsuit related to Clinton's use of a private email server. And Mills's attorney kept objecting again and again and again and again to a variety of questions. She claims intruded on Clinton's attorney-client privilege by asking about Mills' work for Clinton as a private lawyer after serving four years as Clinton's chief of staff at the State Department. Oh, great. So you just hire her as a lawyer. She can't be a witness at the same time. I object right now. I object right now. I'm asking who represented Secretary Clinton. And then, of course, they tried to deal with the question of Brian Pagliano, the guy who set up the email server for Hillary Clinton in the mom and pop shop in a bathroom someplace, which we all know was, in fact, compromised. So you've got that happening. Then, of course, we have Hillary's speeches. She made $21 million in a two-year period speaking to special interest groups, many that are involved in banking and Wall Street. Also have new questions about Hillary now stonewalling, answering questions about Goldman Sachs and an investment with her son-in-law in his hedge fund. You've got a California primary coming up for Hillary that she may lose to Bernie Sanders. We found out today Hillary only donated $70,000 to veterans. How dare she send veterans to go protest in front of Donald Trump's Trump Tower in New York? Uh, She has a long record of lying to keep the public in the dark. That's going to be a big problem in this campaign. You have Doug Schoen saying Hillary might not even be the nominee if Bernie wins California. That's a big issue. And um, she hasn't held a single press conference in 2016. And the only way she's going to win the nomination and has been appearing to win the nomination is through a corrupt superdelegate process for the Democrats. Anyway, joining us now to discuss this and more is Danielle McLaughlin. She's an attorney and a constitutional expert, co-wrote the Federalist Society, How Conservatives Took the Law Back from Liberals. Charlie Hurd is with us. He's a journalist, political commentator, working for The Washington Times. He's a columnist there, Fox News contributor, Breitbart News contributor. And uh, welcome all of you to the program. Good to be with you, Sean. Hi, Sean. Danielle, you've actually read the entire deposition. Tell us what you found. <laughs> well, you're right. There are a number of uh, objections, as you rightly say. Um, you know, I read it and I pretty much thought that it was 
pretty not consequential in many respects. And I wanted to address your idea about the objections first. You know, she was in the deposition, Cheryl Mills was in the deposition for a very uh, circumscribed reason, which relates to FOIA and whether Clinton and any member of her team purposefully avoided FOIA by the use of the email server. And some of the questions that were directed to her were truly protected by the attorney-client privilege because Cheryl Mills was involved in collecting the emails that were turned over to the Department of State uh, after Clinton left the State Department. So those are all legitimate, perfectly legitimate objections to make. Okay, uh, understood. But we also had an inspector general's report. Why didn't Hillary participate if she's so forthcoming as she claimed? She's in a tough position. And I honestly, if, if I was her lawyer, which I'm not, I probably would have suggested that she did not talk to the OIG. And there's a simple reason for that. There was a criminal, we believe, investigation going on. And the focus of her counsel, the focus of Clinton, should be on that. Um, this was an OIG inspector general report within the state. It specifically looked only at the non-classified emails. It looked at practices and procedures. And certainly, she did, the practices that we saw from her and her team were not appropriate. We saw that with her. We saw that with Secretary Powell. So the bottom line is, even though she has contradicted herself, even though we know that, in fact, that system was compromised, even though we know all those things are true, Hillary lied to us repeatedly, just like she lied about Benghazi. So she's going to get off the hook. Now, let me ask you this. Isn't it her job and isn't it the law that she has to protect and preserve all classified information? And didn't we learn that she had special access program information on her computer, which should not have been there? I can't speak to the special access program. I can speak with a fair amount of complexity to the 30,000 emails that were sent over uh, pursuant to the FBI's subpoena and the requirement that she send everything back. Well, wait a minute. It should have been 60,000 emails, but she decided which ones were important, and she told us that 30,000 emails were related to yoga, uh, a wedding, a funeral, and conversations with her husband, Bill, and and then we found out Bill does an email, so she lied about that, too. Well, the vast majority of her communications at state were verbal, were in meetings. Uh, we've learned a lot about the fact that she didn't use the email as frequently as she conducted these kinds of things. Well, we do know that she had classified materials, and we do know that she sent out a memo to State Department employees not to use personal email for, for work. Isn't that true? That is true. Um, at, and so she violated her, her own order. You know, there were plenty of orders, there were plenty of rules that I think Secretary Clinton... But there are also laws, and the law mandates that you have an obligation to protect and preserve all of these emails from any type of scrutiny. Isn't that true? That is true, but the important thing is that the, a violation of that law, you have to show willfulness. You have to show willful and knowing Well, didn't um, she... Will, wait a minute. Well, didn't she willfully set up a, a separate email account and a separate server, and didn't she put it separately on a different server account in a bathroom of a mom and pop shop. That shows a lot of thought went into it, doesn't it? Well, it's not clear that she was doing it to not get around FOIA laws or classified information. Well, first thing she really said, she never it. sent or received classified information. Then she adjusted that, sent or received marked classified information. But in fact, we learned from the inspector general that she did have classified materials, top secret and above top secret classification on that computer with special access program classification, which is above top secret. The 30,000 emails borne out did show that nothing she sent was either uh, That's or not true. was marked. That's not true. Marked. That is absolutely false. Charles Hurt. I think this is absolutely fascinating. And, and I'm sure that your analysis, uh, Danielle, is exactly 
exactly right in terms of legal, uh, you know, the, legal, the best legal advice for Hillary Clinton. But what I think is also interesting about out of that deposition was not just the no- number of times that there were objections, but also the number of times that Cheryl Mills just simply said, I don't remember. And, you know, that's obviously, you know, in a, in a deposition like this, a pretty good way to hide anything you don't want to answer that you can't say objection to. You can just say, I don't recall. And, you know, it sort of raises more questions about what are they hiding? What are they trying to, to conceal? But what is the larger question here in my mind is, you know, Hillary Clinton is running as, as the safe alternative to the risky, reckless Donald Trump. Well, my goodness, if this isn't risky and reckless, uh, her, her handling of this, of the highest secret in the land, then I don't know what is. And I think it really undermines her ability going into summer and going into fall, you know, positioning herself as the, as the responsible alternative to Donald Trump. What's your response to that? I mean, I agree that there are there are real problems here. Going back to your first point about not being able to remember, you have to remember that she was being asked about things that happened in 2009. And one of the biggest problems that you can have, and this is true for any kind of investigation, is if you don't remember, it's always better to say that you don't rather than to either fabricate something or, or, or state something that is actually not accurate. You know, Cheryl Mills was under oath. She's a lawyer herself. She understands that an Oftentimes, it's worse to say something you think is true rather than hold back because sure. often it is the lie that is worse, and that's what we saw with Petraeus. Frankly, it wasn't so much about the classified information and what he did with it; it was the fact that he lied to federal prosecutors. Sure, but the, but the issue here to me is, I mean, I, you know, the legal stuff is very important, and, and I'm glad that we're pursuing it. I wish the, the press would pursue it as doggedly as they pursue uh, Donald Trump's. Uh, 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 donations to to veteran group, but the thing that you know, this is what we've always had with the Clintons going back decades, and you know, kicking off a campaign with it, it mired in depositions and objections, and I don't remembers and all that kind of stuff is just a, it's a it's a terrible way. And then even now, she still hadn't clinched the nomination. It's, you know, Daniel, it's pick, it, it, which one I'd rather be today? I would rather be Donald Trump. You know, Daniel, <laughs> I, you, you, you sound to me like you you would be a, a Hillary supporter. That's what you sound like. Am I wrong? No, I am. I am a Hillary Clinton supporter, no. and I agree with Charlie. You know, even as a supporter. There are problems here, and I wish that Clinton would be more forthcoming. I do wish that she would speak to the press more freely. I think that she is viewed as someone who is not trustworthy, as someone who is holding back from the general public. You say, I, you say you know, viewed, but, but here's her. what we also know. For example, let's take Benghazi. We knew that she was simultaneously telling the American public that this attack on our consulate in Benghazi was related to a YouTube video and it was a spontaneous demonstration. And the and the demonstrators just happened to have RPGs in their back pocket and they just happened to pull them out and just happened to use them on the console. But my question is... But didn't she lie? Because at the same time, we now know she was telling her own daughter, the Libyan president, the Egyptian prime minister, that it was an act of terror. Simultaneously, she's telling two very different stories. So we know she was lying to us, don't we? Isn't that a fact? And when you say you support her, you're telling me that you support somebody that you know is a liar. And that question then that raises questions in my mind why you're supporting a liar, somebody who the American people have rightly identified as dishonest and untrustworthy as uh, as president. I don't understand why you would do that. Well, a couple of things, Sean. I do not identify Hillary Clinton as a liar. And after, you know, 12 hours of testimony uh, before uh, before subcommittees, 
on Benghazi, an enormous amount of email investigation. We have not found this so-called smoking gun. I think in the fog of war and the fog of this kind of an attack. Fog of of war. How do you have a spontaneous demonstration where people pull out RPGs? Isn't that a little ridiculous to you? Well, it's been shown that the video was not the reason, but I, my point being, okay. at the time, I think it was reasonable. But at the exact, but at the exact same time, she was told they knew within minutes it was a terror attack. She had denied the the repeated request for additional security. She gave a stand down order, or the administration gave a stand down order to the the CIA complex people that were two miles away that wanted to help, and people in Tripoli that wanted to help, and people abroad that could have made it there to help. And then afterwards, she lied to the families, and they repeated and the, thing the lie. That I, I find so appalling about that particular her statements immediately after that was remember at that time people didn't. Nobody had heard of this internet movie. Nobody had seen this movie. It had. It was given. It was being given the attention and treatment that it, it uh, perhaps deserved. But when, as soon as she blamed that attack on the movie, it suddenly put that movie in bright lights, in Klieg lights, and the whole world then turned around and started watching the movie. And which then it was. It was that at that point that people. Uh, protesters around the, the, the globe really began uh, outraged over the movie, started attacking uh, uh, American interests around the world. People were hurt. People were killed in those protests. And all of it stems back to Hillary Clinton's desire to uh, you know, save face or, or get out of trouble and lie and, and, then, and then cause this real I've got to go, m- but- mayhem. But you know something, Charles, I'm just convinced if we had a video of Hillary Clinton shooting people, that there would be people that would defend her and say, well, you know, she was going to give the money to the poor. That's how bad I think it. you, you have to go that deep pathologically to defend her level of dishonesty. My point is this. I got no. I, I don't have time. I got to go. Facts not... about Benghazi. So show me the facts, and I will. I will talk honestly about it. I try very hard to give credible views on all of these things. I'm just telling and you I'm... that you that we know simultaneously. She gave very different stories, and the timeline is clear. Anyway, but I th- I appreciate your time, both of you. My name is Angelo Gomez, and I have something very clear to say to the liberal media and Hillary Clinton. Yes, I'm an American Latino who supports Donald Trump. Yes, I come from a family rooted with immigrants, and I support Donald J. Trump to be the next president of the United States. I support Donald Trump with every ounce of my being for the very reasons that this country, that the Constitution, that the flag behind me was founded upon. And that's putting the American people first. That's putting this country first. For too long, the American people have had a commander-in-chief who has put them last. We are in the position we are in today because of an incompetent commander-in-chief, because of politically correct politicians who have lied to, who have cheated Americans, and that can no longer happen. Donald Trump, every single one of his policies is about putting Americans first. It's about being not politically correct. It's about telling the truth to Americans. Donald Trump has a track record of success. Donald Trump has a track record of not being politically correct. And that is why I support him. He will bring this country back. He will bring our jobs back. He will heal our economy. He will put Americans first. And that is what matters. Hillary Clinton is the face of an incompetent politician who has lied to, who has cheated, and who has gotten Americans killed. If we get this wrong, our country will no longer be here for the future generations. In 2016, 
I will be voting for Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton, you better be ready because the American people are coming. Donald Trump is coming and we will no longer take a politician who will put us left. My name is Barbie. I'm Latina. I'm an independent and I'm voting for Donald Trump. Uh, Mexican-American loves Donald Trump. And I want to tell you that in California, Mexican-Americans are with you. I have the freedom to vote for who I want and I will vote for Donald Trump. Don't worry, Mr. Trump. I stand by you 100%. This Latino is going to vote for Trump. Check you out. I am Hispanic, Mexican-American. I'm also an Army veteran, and I will vote for Donald Trump. Latinos for Trump. I'm a third-generation Hispanic Filipino, and I'm voting for, read it, Donald J. Trump. But the main reason why I support him is because the future of my children depend on him making America great again. So please, join the movement and help us to make America great again. My family came here on the second to last freedom flight out of Cuba. And we all support Donald Trump because he understands that the most patriotic Americans are immigrants who came here, not for what they could get here, but for who they could be here. Specifically, uh, I believe that uh, Donald Trump has the ability, the techniques, and the specific knowledge that's needed to restore our economy. Uh, in the industry in which I work, I have seen thousands and thousands of families lose the American dream. My name is Jorge from Los Angeles, and I'm voting for Donald Trump because it's simple. We need to build a wall. We need to secure the border. There's nothing racist with that. We need to make America great again. We need a proven leader and a proven executive. His love for this country is so evident. This goes on and on and on. Uh, 23 now to the top of the hour. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love to hear from you. It's 800-941-SEAN. That is a group that has called themselves Latinos for Trump. Now, if you listen to the mainstream media, they have a very different narrative. Donald Trump can't win the Latino, the Hispanic vote. Donald Trump can't win the African-American vote. Donald Trump is bleeding with women. And the person that is more out of touch with any one demographic group happens to be Hillary with men. And she does not have near the numbers that Barack Obama had with blacks and Latinos. So where is this campaign headed? Anyway, joining us from this group, we have uh, Angelo Gomez, a Puerto Rican Nicaraguan Trump supporter. He's featured at the beginning beginning of this video, which, by the way, has now gone viral. It was also um, an intern. And uh, since October 2015 for the Trump campaign and uh, he graduated high school this past week, he's already uh, completed 35 college credits. Pretty impressive. Also with us is Erwin uh, Bruner is here, a Panamanian American, a Trump supporter, featured in the video. Welcome both of you to the show. Angelo, you're a young guy. By the way, I have a picture of you, and you're a pretty good-looking guy. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. So what's going on? So why is it a myth that Donald Trump can't get the Hispanic vote? I think that's definitely a myth. He's uh, definitely speaking directly towards the American the Americans. All right, hang on one second. Erwin, what do you think? Can Donald Trump get the Hispanic vote? I think that he will. Um, yeah. I'm going to make sure that that happens. Uh, we are here in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, campaigning for Trump actively uh, three times a week, sign-waving. Um, we take pictures of signs. Uh, I have one with Crooked Hillary, which is, has been the funniest one. Um, 
people, you know, they have to understand the message. But, I mean, we cannot act the same way Democrats do. Um, we have to fight back in a different way. And I think, the, you know, the best way to do it is just with a positive attitude and with the truth. You know, I just think that if you really look at things, here's the question I think every minority and every American needs to ask themselves. I know every poll is broken down demographically. Are you better off than you were eight years ago? And if you can say yes, if you think the country's better off, then I guess vote for Hillary because that's a continuation of Obama's policies. If you're not and you're one of those millions of Americans on food stamps and out of the labor force and in poverty, I would think that it's time for a change in a pretty drastic way because disproportionately the people that have been harmed the most by Obama's leftist policies have been minorities. Yes, um, I see reality. Uh, Sadly, I voted for Obama on his last term. Um, And uh, there's three things that Democrats used to tell me all the time, uh, that Republicans are racist, the Republicans are bigots, and to never watch Fox News. That's the only thing I heard from Democrats. And uh, I mean, Obama has been a total failure. Um, I don't, I cannot describe it any other way. Yeah. And uh, I'm here trying to repair the damage I did by voting for him. Yeah, that's what uh, this election. For this time. That's that. That to me is the most important thing. You know what? I, I yeah. mean, I've got my job. I've got contracts. I can pat myself on the back and say, "Well, I'm fine." But you know what? That's not the criteria for me if the country and my fellow countrymen and women are suffering. Uh, Angelo, you're back here. Uh, So you you think that Trump can get the Latino vote, the Hispanic vote? Yeah, I really think he will. He's speaking directly to the American dream. And people who come here legally, that's what they're looking for, for a better life. And they went through this, this long process to get here that they don't want a leader who is going to be putting the American people last, which is what Obama has done. And it's definitely what Hillary Clinton and uh, Bernie Sanders would do. So he's speaking directly to the American dream. And I know a lot of Latinos that support Trump uh, 100% because he's speaking directly to the people and he's speaking directly uh, to the uh, American dream that a lot of people want. What do you think uh, of that? A lot of legal immigrants uh, deserve from going through the process and especially that the American people deserve. What do you think about illegal immigration? And what do you think about Trump's proposal to build a wall? Because, you know, I've look, I've been down to that border so many times. I see the drugs crossing. I see the criminal and, and gang factor in terms of people crossing. I worry about Islamic radicals crossing that border. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent with uh, Donald Trump's plan for a wall and and uh, his plan for immigration. Uh, securing our border is what needs to be done. We're both a country of uh, laws, and if we don't have uh, the laws, we won't be a country. And we also need to secure the border uh, so that the people uh, can have uh, a sense of of safety. You have all these drugs uh, pouring across the border. You have all these people pouring across the border, and we have no idea who they are. We need to secure the border. And if we put illegal immigrants, uh, if we give them amnesty, that's just another uh, example of putting the Americans last. And I think that's completely, completely unacceptable. Erwin, do you think it's a problem to ask people for a photo ID if they vote? It's, it's not a problem at all. I'm totally pro, you know, 
I mean, because I'll give you an example. I'm going to go to the Democratic convention and have a crappy week in Philly, except I'll have Philly cheesesteaks every day. But I'm going to have a crappy (laughs) week in in Philly being with the Democrats. And for me to get in there, Erwin, I've got to show my picture ID. They don't just let you in. And by the way, oftentimes when I show the ID, the Secret Service guys or law enforcement people that are there, they'll say, hi, Mr. Hannity. How are you? Good to see you. It's very nice. I like your show. I watch it every day. And then they'll say, I need your ID. <laughs> and I'm like, here is my ID. I don't have a problem yeah. with that. But yet, some people say uh, it's racist if, yeah. if you ask for an ID. Either. Uh, uh, let me tell you something, uh, Sean. Uh, before becoming a citizen of this country, I had to do the naturalization of, of a legion. And uh, many Latinos that support Hillary or Bernie, they keep forgetting that once you go through the naturalization of a legion, you cannot be supporting illegal immigration. You have to protect entirely the United States of America. Yeah. I don't want to betray the United States of America, and that's why I'm voting for Listen, I, I'm going to tell you another thing. You know, the people that have been hurt most, the millions more Americans in poverty since Obama's become president, millions more on food stamps, median income down, the, the, the what, you have uh, such a high percentage of men 18 to 34, one out of six in jail or in prison uh, in mm-hmm. this country, you have one in five families that don't have a single working person. You know what? If you cross the border, I, I understand you want a better life and you do it illegally, but you're competing with Americans for jobs. You're driving down rates uh, in terms of, of what you get paid on these jobs, what people pay you. And it's just unfair to the people that are here legally. And it's uh, to me, it's a simple question. But anyway, I want to thank you both. Angelo, thank you. Erwin, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, J.G., in Miami, News Radio 600, WIOD. What's up, uh, JG? How are you? Great, Sean. How are you, Sean? You know, I was thinking about uh, Bill Crystal, and what really has gotten me is that, you know, when Rubio conceded and dropped out, it was like a sigh of relief. And then when uh, Kasich dropped out, which I didn't think it was going to, there was like a feeling of like, you know, total relief. Now we can now it's bring on Hillary. And then we had Paul Ryan, of all people, jump in and, and throw, try to throw wrenches into it. And now we have Crystal. I mean, when is it going to stop? And, and this Crystal gentleman is, is just showing to me to be the complete idiot that I thought he probably was all along. You know, the idea, a friend of mine wrote me last night when the news broke about David French, a columnist for NRO. I'm like, you know, if you're that bitter and that angry, I mean, I think Bill Crystal is just irrelevant. He's, the, whoever he puts up is not going to be anybody of substance. It's a waste of time. And all he's trying to do is make himself relevant and helping to elect Hillary. That's all he's doing. And if that's what he wants to do, then, okay, why doesn't he just go out and campaign for Hillary? Because it's exactly the same thing. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. Joshua is in Atlanta. News Talk, WSB. Hi. Hey, Sean, how are you? First time uh, caller listening for 15 years. Yes, sir. Uh, I was hanitized by my mentor who actually had a book that you signed for me. Uh, in Roanoke, Virginia, but I just wanted to take a minute to just state that, you know, when they say that millennials and uh, the average Joe that Donald Trump doesn't reach out to or connect with, I was in New York at the U.S. Open working with a company and a nonprofit to raise money for seminary and mission trips, and I actually was assigned to Donald Trump's suite at the tennis event, and, uh, you know, we were told to, you know, be invisible and not say anything and not try to take pictures or anything like that. But while I was setting up the food, Mr. Trump actually came up and shook my hand and thanked me 
you know, for my service. Something he didn't have to do. I mean, he had plenty of people in the room, but he actually took a moment to connect with somebody who was supposed to be invisible. I thought that was uh, very speaking to his character and not the perception that's out there about who he is. Listen, I've been around the guy and his family a lot, and I can tell you that they're nice people. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier in the program. Guy writes me a note today. Well, you're a registered conservative. Why are you voting for Trump? And I, I wrote him back. I said, I like his list of judges for the Supreme Court. I like his idea to rebuild the military. I like the idea of identifying radical Islam and, and saying he's going to bomb the crap out of them. I want to fix the VA. He's running on that. He's running on securing the water, border and building the wall. He's promising to repeal Obamacare. He's promising to make us energy independent. And that's coal and fracking and drilling and nuclear and new technologies. He's going to end Common Core, send it back to the states. I like the idea of negotiating better trade deals and uh, to get spending under control and balance the budget. So that's what I said. He goes, he wanted to know why. And I said, those promises mean something to me. Now, can can I I count on him keeping those promises? No, but uh, I think he's serious about all of it. All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour of the Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love to hear from you today. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. We have some updates as to the gorilla that was shot at the Cincinnati Zoo after a three-year-old boy wandered into the gorilla enclosure at the zoo. Anyway, an investigation regarding the action of the parents and the family that led up to the incident uh, is uh, not related to zoo operations, according to the Cincinnati Police Department spokesperson. Now, the little boy's mother, identified as Michelle Gregg, was uh, with the child on Saturday at the zoo when the, when the child slipped past the fence and tumbled, to the, tumbled into the enclosure. And anyway, uh, she put a Facebook fo- post up that said, God protected my child until the authorities were able to get to him. My son is safe, was able to walk with a concussion and a few scrapes, no broken bones, no internal injuries. As a society, we're quick to judge how a parent could take their eyes off their child. And if anyone knows me, I keep a tight watch on my kids. Accidents happen, but I'm thankful that the right people were in the right place today. The boy's father, identified, did not return phone calls. The zoo, whose handlers have explained that they had to kill the gorilla because they feared that a tranquilizer gun would take too long to work and might enrage the the animal um, who was dragging the child around and looked like a moat of some kind. Anyway, it was under the review of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So that aspect of this is now moving forward as well. So what should happen? Joining us, we have Amy our Dardashtian is with us, and uh, she is a former CBS reporter turned on-air legal analyst. She thinks the mother, who found uh, himself in the gorilla habitat, did nothing wrong. Cheryl and Harley Laban is a lawyer, former senior counsel with the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee and contributing fellow at the National Center for Policy Analysis in Dallas. Amy, explain to me why you think that they did nothing wrong. Okay, because this was clearly an accident. Listen, multiple witnesses said, even a woman on Facebook, her name is Deirdre Likens, she put up a whole summary of what happened. She was right there. This mother was with three children. 
One child was crying. Another one wanted to take a picture. Her son's hand was in his, her back pocket. She turns around. All of a sudden, in seconds, in seconds, her son has bolted over the railing. Other adults tried to grab him. He was way too fast. Multiple people said this happened in seconds. It could have happened to anybody. The mother loved her son, okay? Witnesses say she was searching everywhere. And then she had a near breakdown when she sees that he's in this moat, screaming, screaming to him, Mommy loves you. God help us. I mean, this is clearly not a woman who ever wanted to endanger her son. Furthermore, so then, no so then, from your position, well, then, from your position, if this could happen in just seconds, and you're blaming the zoo, you would I have do to blame the zoo. The zoo needs to be held accountable. Mm. Those barriers should be mm. unbreachable, Sean. What's your reaction, Charlotte? So let me just say this much, Sean. Um, I'm a mother of a very busy little boy, and I rem- he's now eight, but I remember when he was three, and he did dart and move quickly. Nevertheless. Um, I do think the mom is partially at fault. I, I don't know. We don't know what she was doing when the little boy scampered down. Was she staring at her phone? I mean, we don't know. But here's what I also find interesting. Amy just said, you know, other, other adults tried to, to grab them. Well, wh- you know, I find that a little interesting because the adults found time to pull out their phones and video this whole thing. What were those other adults doing when this boy scampered down? So, you know, it's fine to say it takes a village. Well, act like a village. And on the point about the zoo, you know, this zoo, and I I don't want to absolve them of total responsibility because I'm sure someone could come in there and investigate and find that there was some safety violation. But this zoo has been around for 38 years. This This zoo just wasn't erected yesterday. And... To my knowledge, I've, I've done some research. doesn't seem like they've had an incident before of this nature. So, From what I'm I sure understand, though, weren't there multiple barriers that this kid had to get through to get to this uh, this position? Yeah, it, where was he... a, it was considered an open exhibit. So, yes, there was a little railing, and then there were some, right. some bushes. A three-foot I mean, this should be Then it took 10 minutes, 10 whole minutes, where this little boy is in the moat with a 400-pound gorilla who can crush coconuts with his hands. He could have killed this boy at any moment. And he's dragging the boy through the water like a Raggedy Ann doll. I I saw that part, but my question to you is, what do you want them to have a a licensed... sniper available at every exhibit uh, at the yeah. zoo they should have an emergency response uh, hang on a second a wild animal. hang on a second you want a licensed sniper at every exhibit at every zoo come on that's ridiculous i want an emergency response team i will right, well, the emergency you ever go to the bronx well, zoo? They, they, they well hang on a second because well, let me, that. I mean, if you go to the bronx I, zoo I, in new I, york I, let me tell you the first thing you read when you get in there don't try and see the whole zoo in one day it's impossible they try and warn you. So, I mean, it's that much land. A lot of these zoos, I, have, I don't remember or recall being at the Cincinnati Zoo in particular, but I've been to many zoos around the country. San Diego Zoo, been to many zoos. The Bronx Zoo, I've been to just so many zoos, I can't even. The Atlanta Zoo, uh, Naples Zoo, I've been all over the place. I've zoo, I'm zooed out. But, uh, and I've even been to Disney. We have giraffes looking in your window, for crying out loud. So my question to you is, you know, that's a little ridiculous to think that they should have a sniper at every exhibit. That's nuts. You know, you know what? Let me just talk about 
the, the legal basis for this, because this really shows the corruption in our justice system, that public pressure yeah. from animal rights activists gets so much media coverage because it's sensational. And, and then in turn, the police give in to this pressure and investigate a woman. They could potentially take her child away because a gorilla died. Okay, there's not even a charge for this. Negligent supervision required substantial evidence that she put her right. child in I, danger I, I and totally she could have foreseen it. I don't How do you foresee this? I, I don't think that this woman should have her child taken away from her. I don't I don't like what's being done, you know, on social media. So I'm sure that they will, though, investigate. I mean, because that's kind of the process they're going to go through. You know, that's what they're going to do. And in my opinion, you know what? It's sad. The gorilla's gone. But you know what? The gorilla had to go. He is he a wild Sorry, Harambe. Like, I know, I'm sure he was a fine That's fellow, right. but he had I'm to die. Sure this wasn't was. Sophie's choice, okay? There weren't equal choices. It was the gorilla or the boy. Well, there's no, the, to me, there's no issue. I don't think, the, I don't think the zoo had any... No, what, there was no other choice. But, but, you know, here's the thing, though. Let's just, unfortunately, think for a minute what would have happened if this little boy had died and what happened if this little boy had a concussion and was, you know... Um, severely brain trauma, right? I mean, then we would have been, I'm sure the lawyers would have been lined up to represent the mother. The lawyers yeah, might be, the lawyers enough. might be lined up it's now. This is the, this is but, yet to be resolved completely. But, uh, but you know, the sad thing is, what is, what does this mean for future zoo goers that they're going to now have barriers so high and so wide and so, you know, obfuscated? I mean, that you're not going to be able to see anything at the zoo. The whole idea is you want it safe and secure for the people, but you know I've been to I've been to exhibits where it seems like a lion or a tiger or a bear is very capable of jumping over the barriers that they have. Exactly. And uh, you know, yep. uh, look, I mean, it, uh, life entitled life entails a certain level of risk. You get on an airplane, yeah, I guess there's a, a a small risk that you're taking getting on an airplane. I feel particularly safe in airplanes. Uh, you get in a car, it's dangerous. You walk through the streets of New York, it's even more dangerous than any car. And these things happen in life. And I guess now the zoo is going to have to build a barrier that is so high that you right. know, you're know you going to need a, a 20 or 40 foot ladder to climb over it. I but think parents also need to understand that zoos are places where wild animals are kept in a cage. And most likely, they're not real happy about it. So it is incumbent upon parents to really, I mean, and I know, again, I said I have a busy little boy, so I get this, but really, parents really need to keep a tight rein on their children because, again, these are wild beasts. And what do wild beasts do? They eat little children. They harm, they harm humans because that's what they are. They're beasts. They're not capable but of thinking not rationally. Not every child listens to their parents, and short of putting a leash on a child, these things can happen. I mean, the fact that this child was able to get through the barrier speaks for itself. Obviously, it wasn't sufficient. We're not saying you have to build a wall like Donald Trump's wall, okay? But what I'm saying is you have to put something up there so that a fast, rambunctious little kid who, you know, sees the gorillas and doesn't understand the risk to himself can't get in there. There should be no way. I mean, again, Amy, though, this zoo has been around for 38 years. And their Bronx Zoo has been around, San Diego Zoo. This, I mean, these incidences are pretty rare. You know what, though? I mean, sometimes the, it takes something like this to happen for there to be change, unfortunately. Well, and thank God the, the boys okay. need to keep a tighter rein on their children. And that might be easier 
than all these zoos having to take all these additional measures when, you know, if you have a rambunctious little boy, maybe taking your rambunctious little boy to the zoo may not be the wisest thing right. to do. And you know maybe what, I will agree with you in that. Inside closure jungle gym. Right. I will agree that she was taking a picture. And you know what? That is the problem in society today. Everybody's running to post to Facebook. And so that second that you take your kid off your your eyes off your kid, that can make the difference. So think twice before you're running to post and filter and tag on and tweet your pictures. Agreed. And again, we don't know what she was doing. She maybe she was looking for a snack for her kid. Maybe she was looking at her phone. Clearly, she was distracted because her eyes were not on her child. That much we know. You know, I, I, I have a hard time, and this I really struggle with this because, I don't know, I mean, I'm just a crazy helicopter parent, and I'm the type of parent that when my kids were young, and even to this day, and they're older, I go in their room and I check that they're breathing. You know, I put up barriers all over my house, especially where there's a banister or some type of railing, and I have extended the railing up, you know, 10 feet so that no kid could reach over and say, oh, I want to touch the light or whatever, or throwing something down to their friends and leaning over, and God forbid they fall. I, I paid a lot of money for a, a pool cover. At, I've had three different houses in New York, and at each one I paid for a pool cover that an elephant can walk on so that if it, I don't want a kid dying in my pool. Right. So right. I, I just take it to a different extreme. I, I'm torn, though, between knowing that kids can very quickly do something that you're not aware of, like put something in their mouth and then they start choking, or or maybe wandering off very quickly in a, in a department store or supermarket. That's happened to me. Scares the living daylights out of you. And then I'm also and then I'm also curious. How did this kid get over all those barriers so quickly? Right. There's really there's no simple answer to this. And and you know everybody's so quick to criticize. And you have these animal rights activists who want to hold somebody accountable for an accident. That's what it it is. Right. It was an accident. You have to take it for what it is. Is it an accident or is it possible that they didn't do their job of parenting? I know that's a hard question and a harsh question, but is it a fair question? I went, it's fair, but I went to the witness accounts and there are multiple people who are right there and they all defend the mother. They all say this happened in seconds. The kid was so fast, we couldn't even grab him. One woman says her husband wanted to go in after him. That's my whole point. Why weren't they able, if they were so, you know, uh, worried about this job? Why didn't they grab this child? They tried. They said he was too bad. Places. When I grabbed a child from, from traffic in a parking lot, grabbed the child who was going to run across the street, I've done it. And you, you do have to be quick. But funny, they found time to record the whole thing, but nobody could grab the child. I mean, funny, they can whip out their phone that quick enough. But nobody could grab this child. I mean, in the way. You know, this is this is the society we're living in. You know, everybody wants to record and observe, but when it's time to get your hands dirty, people aren't doing that. That's not true. There was a man who wanted to go in after. It was going to jump into the moat. And by the way, the mother was going to jump into the moat. They were both going to jump 15 feet into the moat in with the gorilla, and people had to hold them back. The mother and an, another man whose wife wouldn't let him go in because she thought that her husband would be killed time understanding how this kid was able this three-year-old was able to scale a three-foot fence how amy please explain to me how a three-year-old able to scale a three-foot fence how could then explain to me how a three-year-old could fall 15 feet and not be killed but an adult could children are much more agile than adults They, they withstand a lot 
I mean, if you bang a child's head, they're going to bounce back a lot faster than an older, an 80-year-old person. So that's just the way they are. Listen, did you see the way that this gorilla was dragging the boy? It looked like he was water skiing with his head. I mean, was he being protected? By the way, if you, if you actually read on the psychology, Terry Naples, a guy that I know in Atlanta at the Zoo Atlanta, and I've known him for many, many years, and he actually refers to that as as gorilla play. I mean, that was. Uh, I'm sure it was, but she said the gorilla. But you can't. Four hundred and fifty, and you can't risk the child's life. All right, thank you both for right. a very passionate debate. We appreciate it. You know that you seem. I, I don't know what it is. I talk about the gorillas, and you guys seem animated in there. Why is everybody so animated, Jason? Why? Because nobody likes to see an animal get shot. I, I agree with Unless that. Unless it's an extreme circumstance, which is what this obviously was. An extreme circumstance. Nobody wants to see the gorilla get hurt. Maybe Ethan does, but I don't know. I mean... I think that the parents should be charged. Oh, if, stop. I, if you bring your kid into New York City, the concrete jungle, or a zoo, and they get hit by a car... Are you going to blame the car? No, you're going to blame the parent for not holding no, the kid's No, you're hands. wrong. I'm going to tell you right now what happens in New York, because you have these nutty bikers that drive all over the place on their bicycles, and they go right in front of cars. No, wait, wait, wait. That's Hang different. on a second. That's different. No, it's not, because if you, you have to, by law, you are in charge and must have control of your vehicle at all times. But these bikers are jerks. You can't protect your children from these bikers. Okay, it doesn't matter. You know how many murders? that We're up like 30% in bike murders. It doesn't matter. Okay, so you're standing there on the corner, and some jerk biker who's supposed to stop and is not because you're right. on a bike. That's right. It's your child. It's your fault. No, I'm no, no. We're talking about two different things. I'm saying you as a driver, if you hit a guy on a bike, that means you didn't have control of your vehicle. Especially, oh yeah, well that's different. Yeah, you know, well it's the same thing. I mean, you know, if, if a kid gets hit by an ongoing car. Uh, unless the driver's drunk or intoxicated or in drugs of some kind. You, right. But, for example, when you're crossing the street, like we're crossing, here at Rockefeller Center, we crossing, got tons of tourists. I see tourists. This, yeah, I see them every day. And this is what they're doing, these these people. Everybody's that, taking that, film. And they're all taking pictures, selfies. right? And their three-year-old, their no. four-year-old, their five-year-old just came from seeing some beautiful show here at Radio City, you know, with the Muppets, and they're all happy and talking about the Muppets. And they're talking Meanwhile, about Meanwhile... Meanwhile, while they're holding their Muppet, you know, that they're so excited that they have, there's a stalker, a robber, a pickpocketer, and mom and dad aren't holding on their kids. And a gang initiation. You forgot that. And forget about it. Listen, I have gotten into more arguments in that subway concourse with these tourists because now that I have a kid, you know, I think I know everything. And so I go up to them and I say things like, excuse me, excuse me, uh, your child is alone. Your child no. is 15 feet behind you. I could have taken your child to Auburn Pan right now. We could have had a coffee. You would have never known the difference. Wake up. Avon Pan. Say that again. Avon Pan. Avon Pan. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it's called. Anyway. Oh, Lauren, you're the big animal. Now, Lauren's been bringing a new dog treat to the studio. She's a little annoyed with me because I'm teaching treat new tricks and she doesn't like them. Treat is a canine companion for independence. Right. And she is in training to be at a least, service dog. At least Treat is alive. The last dog you brought in was like half dead. That dog didn't even budge. Moats was great. You're, you're, just, you're all heart, Sean, I'll tell you. No, the dog, the dog didn't even play. I'm like, I want a dog that's live and plays. Oh, and- no, 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 no. Lauren is a saint and is training a blah, dog blah, blah. to all save right. a life, to aid a life. All you right. are a ruckus, rousing, rebel, rousing starter. No, she's mad that the dog listens to me in two seconds more than the dog will. Lauren's like, now treat, sit. Citrine. People in your guy are listening to you. You're okay. screaming. Uh, and I'm like, down, 
down. That's, That's not how you say it. Uh, how do I do it? You say it way louder than that. Down. No, because I do it to Marley all the time. Mar- you're Marley, telling down, to too. sit. You never say The first time you said down was today. Yeah, no. Sean, the dog I usually, was I taught the dog nice how to jump. And I, then you come in here blowing she, in here like because a hurricane. Because she, put she puts the dog in prison in that in that cell that you built in there. Oh, and that's yeah, horrible. It's a, it's a huge, ginormous crate filled with uh, pillows and a fluffy Yeah, it's like blanket. doggy Alcatraz. It's I mean, kind of true, right? I mean, it's the dog's in prison. It's a soft crate. She's got bones. She's got a peanut butter Kong. She is living it up in there. Okay. Don't you worry. Yeah, I want to write her a letter? We'll I, give it to her. Listen, all I'm saying is that the dog listens to me more than you and you can't stand it. That's not my fault. That I, it's the same thing yeah, at home. It kind of is your fault. Why I mean, is it my fault? She's trying to train the dog to be to attune to her voice, and you come in here, hey, hey, you're all screaming, and all of a sudden the dog's all hyper, like you gave a ki- like you gave a little like three year old okay. kid but sugar it, at the bottom when I, of a frosted when I say, box. When I say sit, the dog sits. When I say down, the dog goes down. When I say give me your paw, the dog gives me the paw. If you ask Lauren Sunshine over there to ask those re- request those. Uh, those actions, the dog doesn't do it. Yeah, she does. You might have a little bit more of a commanding voice. I will give you uh, that. But she does listen to me. Not really. Now, if I'm in the same room and it's between me and you, that dog is listening to me. We're going to test this out for real. I want a I videotape. T- I just I w- no, it out. no, we weren't really. We didn't right, do you the full effect. Test? How much do you want to bet? And I'll give you a hundred to one odds that I win. Uh, a hundred dollars. Oh, all right. I'll, I want in on this bet. I take Lauren's side. Lauren, oh, you, now you're going to spend the next 10 hours training the dog to listen to Lauren. It's I can see it great. happening. I can't wait to whoop uh, your ass. Who can, we, who can we get to train you, by the way? Nobody's Jeez. training me. That doesn't happen. I'm the Remember, I'm actually the boss. It's the Sean Hannity show. Hello. I'm a, I know none of you treat me like a, a boss. We heard a rumor about that, but we just weren't sure. Nobody treats me like a boss around here. Everyone tells me Stop to go. Stop talking over your co-host, Shut up. okay? You're Jeez. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny yesterday. Uh, back to our phones. Teresa is in Tennessee on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Teresa. Hello there. Thank you for what you do. Thank I'm you. I'm a first-time caller, but it's nice to be part of the conversation. I'm glad you it's called. It's just a shame about this thing that happened with the gorilla. We're all so sensitive, but somebody's got to make the tough calls. Had to happen, would have been worse if it had been the baby. So, anyway, that's not why I called. Um, talk about tough calls. And Trump with the uh, media, I think he's doing what he has to do, setting people straight, straight, letting them know to stop the deception. And I don't think that that's arrogance. I love what he did to the media yesterday. And I noticed that the journalists now are all up in arms. Their widow feelings have been hurt. But you know what? I'm tired of Katie Couric getting a pass. They've done this crap for years. I'm, you know, Dan Rather, Katie Couric, Brian Williams, all of these people, all of these years you know what? They've been put on a pedestal. They've all been overpaid. By the way, I include myself in that group. In, in as much as, why does a TV or a radio host, I'm serious now, get a lot more money than, say, somebody that is a, a building contractor or a plumber or electrician? Now, you can argue that, all right, there's only a certain number of people that can do this, and, and, and maybe there's a certain talent level that not everybody has. All right, I'll argue that. But in all honesty, we're treated like... We are treated way beyond what we deserve in the media. And I'm speaking firsthand. People treat you better than you deserve to be treated. And I know because I worked in restaurants for 10 years and I worked in construction for 10 years and I never got treated like I'm treated now. 
And all of a sudden, these people have agendas. They try to convince you there's something they're not, which is fair, objective, and balanced. And they're a bunch of phonies. And all they do is they go to these big parties and talk about the middle of America with their nose stuck up their rear ends. And I'm sick of these phonies. They're being exposed in ways that I never knew were possible, and I'm so happy it's happening. The New York Times and Katie Couric and all these other, the the establishment Republicans, they're all a bunch of phonies. I can't stand any of them because they don't really give a rip. You know what bothers, you know what, you know what my motivation to fix the country is about? I keep giving out numbers. Those numbers are real people out of the labor force, real people in poverty, real people on food stamps, real people, one in five families, not one family member can get a freaking job. Because they've screwed this country up so bad, and yeah. Well, Sean, you know you're humble, and you know they're 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 sold out. <laughs> they're sold well, out. They lost touch. Is- I'll say that yeah, they've absolutely. lost. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that they've been taught very well how to pull people's heartstrings, and they uh, pull everything in the wrong direction by pulling on people's heartstrings. And sensitive people, men and women, are very subject to that. But this is not arrogance. This is saying, look. I'm not going to put up with the deception because you take and you twist everything to where it sounds like something else. It's not fair and it's not true. So get used to my language and my conversation because we're going to deal with what's true and what's fair. And I think that's really the message that he's putting out there. I actually think I went through this in my email to this guy today that I mentioned earlier. And I'm actually thinking I love the agenda that Trump is advocating now. I think it'll save the country. I think it'll create jobs. I think it'll put us in a much stronger position in terms of our position in the world. I think it's going to be great. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. Thank you, Teresa. Very, very good call. Uh, Kelly in San Diego, News Radio 600, Kogo Radio. What's going on? Hi. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? Good. I attended the Trump rally last Friday, and um, it was definitely the craziest thing I've ever been to. San Diego, right? Um. In San Diego, yeah, in San Diego. I went with a few friends, and the protesters were definitely, I mean, it was, they were acting like, I mean, I felt like I, I was actually fearing for my life. Um, they were throwing water bottles. They were throwing eggs. Um, we were all wearing the red. We have all of that video tonight on Hannity. I hope you'll watch at 10, because you know what? The world needs to see who these people are and what they're about. And by the way, they were throwing the eggs at children and women. You know, liberals, yeah. compassionate liberals, phonies that they are. That's what they were doing. Yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah, they, we were all wearing the red Trump hats, and they took my friends off, and they lit it on fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they didn't want a peaceful rally. I mean, no. it, And they want to silence conservatives. It's the same old thing. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a, there's a, this has now become a movement, and I hope Donald Trump will be a successful president, because if he is, that means more Americans will work. That means we'll stop robbing our kids. That means we'll stop being dependent on foreign sources for energy. That means our borders protected. That means Americans won't have to compete with illegals for jobs, driving down wages. I hate the federal government and education. I want to get rid of Obamacare. It's simple stuff. Anyway, uh, thank you, Kelly. Good call. Ryan is in Houston, KTRH. Ryan, hi. How are you? It says, you know, Lauren did a story on Hannity.com about the Trump plane that picked up 200 Marines and took them yeah. from Camp Lejeune to Miami because, I guess, the plane was broken or something? Well, uh, yeah, I'm the a, I'm a guy that she spoke to about that. And, um, wow. The, the, the story behind that was that 
the way it was related to us was that the airplane that was supposed to fly us back to Miami got delayed. Well, back in 91, if people were around long enough to recall that, most of us are, but some of the younger ones in the audience may not be, you couldn't just text your family member that's sitting on the tarmac waiting for you to come home or email them or call them on the cell phone because that stuff didn't exist then. So, you know, we're, we were getting delayed and delayed, and they said, well, it might take a couple more days. And, you know, we were happy to be back, uh, just to be back stateside. But when the family all got down there and they set up the uh, – the ceremony to arrive and all that. We, we we heard that the plane that we were supposed to be on was, was either misrouted or delayed or wasn't going to be there. And the story we got was that somehow it got back to Trump Airlines or the Trump organization because he owned an airline at that time and that he diverted one of his aircraft to take us down there. Well, and I don't know who made the call, but I'm sure he owned the airline or whatever. He had the control over the first string, so he had to make the decision. And he did um, it. And so in other words... This is back in 91, so when Trump says that he really supports our vets, this is long before he ever thought about running for president, he supported our vets. Well, I would say so, because not only did that airplane have to fly, because they sent down a a Boeing 727, which had his capacity on his aircraft, I believe they were all a first-class configuration, so it only held approximately 115, 120 people. So it had to go down to Miami, turn around, come back to North Carolina, pick us all up, the rest of us and fly us back on the second leg. So it it wasn't just a, you know, this is, you're talking $1,500 to $2,500 an hour to operate this aircraft. Uh, It's a three and a half, four hour By by the way, I can probably tell you that's a lot more than that, if I had to guess. Well, yeah, but in today's dollars, of course. But, you know, that airplane, you know, three crew members flying it, two to three crew members in the back, and then all the fuel involved. But but regardless of all that, the plane came from somewhere, and the story we were told was that he made, he was made aware of it. And he was willing to put forth the effort to get us back because yeah, he didn't that's want a pretty, that's, to stand there. That's a really cool story. It really is. And, you know, it's and, and you know, look, we were, everybody says, "Well, he's got the money." You know what? Rich people don't have to do anything for anybody. You don't have to. Correct. You don't have to share and, your money. We wouldn't have begrudged him. And, and I remember telling Lauren in the story that you know we didn't even know who Donald Trump was. I said, "Who's Donald Trump?" That was a running joke amongst the group. Who's the guy with the name on the plane? And <laughs> that's you now we find out later that this becomes you know he becomes this. There's, a, there's also a purpose to this discussion of why and the timeliness of this, too, is because when I was talking to Lauren about this story, uh, she pulled up a Snopes article about this, and I said, what are you talking about? I was on the, I got, I got pictures of that airplane. How can they say this is false? And it's just, a, you know, the information gets twisted to where people will believe whatever something like Snopes tells them without. And, the, and, and when I'm reviewing some of the story comments, people are saying they photoshopped it. Or that they, you know, it's fake and it's not true. And it listen, there it, there are some people, and you got to understand this, that just lie, especially with right. social media and anonymity. I call them keyboard warriors in their underwear. I mean, right. it, listen, they just lie and they just well, attack and they 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 they've got this alter ego, alter identity out there. And in that identity, all they do is uh, try and you know cast aspersions on anybody that's actually living a real life. But it happens. Listen, Ryan, thank you, and uh, God bless you. Thank you for your service, and it's a great story. I'm glad Mr. Trump at that time took care of you. That was, that's a pretty cool story. Well, it was. And just one last quick thing. Real I know quick. you're probably on a break or something, but the, the point about it wasn't that it's political. It was just to tell the truth, because when people say that he didn't do anything and then he disparaging, made disparaging comments about veterans and things, you know, no. there's, there's more to someone's actions than just the words they say. And sometimes in the heat of the moment, people don't necessarily say exactly what they mean. All right. I appreciate it. And I thank you for serving your country, my friend. Thank you. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, 
They are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's healthlock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, Well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off.